This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amba community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, I am excited to chat with someone who's become a friend of Amva's over the years, Bob Colhan, who is the CEO and founder of Business Improv. Uh, Bob, welcome to your first appearance on the AmbaCast. Ian, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Now, I'm sure you're all wondering who, who's Bob, why is he on the AmbaCast, what's going on? Uh, well, the, the way we've been connected with Bob over the years is he's become one of our regular instructors at the Amva Leadership Academy, and we're here chatting just before he goes into teach his class with the Leadership Academy, which is always among the most popular with the Academy every week. Um, but I tell that to every guest when they're sitting across the table from that me. That makes sense, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk with Bob because, you know, Bob's uh, specialty and background in the class he teaches for us is around interacting, communicating, listening, engaging with folks. And as we move into this next phase of pandemic, endemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, People are adjusting and changing. I thought that would be an interesting conversation to have. There's certain communication skills we've been relying on for the past two years as we pivoted to Teams and Zoom and FaceTime, and now we're learning how to be together again. Is this something you're hearing out there in the space? Absolutely. You know, it's a unique nod that we're getting. A lot of clients are asking us, do we have programs around re-socialization, for example, of getting small talk back together, getting people into that space that they're comfortable around each other and open to having the conversation take whatever twists and turns that they can take? Because, of course, especially around sales, if you think about the last two years, if they were focused on Zoom, there's mm-hmm. none of that preamble. There's none mm-hmm. of that, like, just social learning of, you know, how are the kids? What's going on? You know, yeah. relationship building. It's open the computer go straight to the meeting, close the computer when it's done. And so now it's time to reintroduce simple things like small talk back into the mix. So have people lost those skills? Is that, I mean, it hasn't been that long, has it? I don't know that they're lost. I think they're forgotten Hmm. because the convenience of working from home also, you know, you don't show up five minutes early to a Zoom meeting, right? right? You don't serendipitously bump into somebody in a Zoom meeting while you're like grabbing a cup of coffee in your kitchen. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. all of that type of aspect I think needs to be thought about. And we need to think about how we're just positioning ourselves inside of those social engagements. And so how do you reteach that? Well, the core concept of what we do in business improv is all about people skills and relationship building. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reduction of everything that we do. So for us, it's kind of our DNA and what we teach anyway. Yeah. And it's about practice. It's about ride the bike. Just get caught. And really, that, isn't that the skill set we're talking about? Riding mm-hmm. that specific bicycle of small talk? Right. You know, everybody, you're right. We didn't, like, completely abandon it. It's just been put on the back burner for a while. Right. So now it's time to move it to the front. Now, if you went back, though, at the start of the pandemic, in that time where it was just open the laptop, close the laptop, what were the... What skills did you see communications-wise was transferable? Because we see now, as it's proven that more and more jobs can be done from anywhere, you don't need to be in the office space, you're not going to bump into each other 
in the coffee room. Mm -hmm. What are the important skills that have to transfer into that virtual space? Or where have you found that folks need some more support to develop a skill that you need online that maybe you didn't have to rely on so much when you were in person? All right, so the skill set really is still communication, collaboration. When it comes to teams, it's building chemistry, cohesion, trust. When it's about client-facing type of things, it's relationship building. So that's the core of what it is. I think that's where some transferred better than others. Mm. Because if you look at some simple things on the online front, on the virtual front, like a Zoom meeting, mm -hmm. a lot of people still don't like putting their cameras on, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. at which point, you know, why do you have some people with their cameras on and some people with their cameras off? It's not a level playing field there. So mm -hmm. you could be jeopardizing trust just by allowing a fraction of a team to have their cameras off without some kind of communication as to why it's important to have your cameras off. You know, also, there's a vulnerability aspect of letting somebody inside your home, your messy bed with whoever you picked up the night before sleeping under the covers or whatever it might be, you know, that vulnerability needs to transition back to the onsite as well. And so I think in the zoom space, some did that better. The majority though, still had a lot to learn. And the challenge that I saw over the last few years is that most people were just saying that this is a, a stopgap. When this gets over, we're going to go back to the way it was mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, well, wait a minute, for decade, a solid decade before we were told that virtual learning was going to start replacing on-site engagements. Mm -hmm. I mean, I heard that over and over and over again. Yeah. And we were just thrust into the deep end of that pool from the pandemic. Why would we completely abandon this now and right. go back? So what we do need to continue to work on is communication, collaboration, trust building, agility, adaptive problem solving, you know, managing change. Right. Well, it's funny you talk about collaboration. I think what some people are hearing, and I saw it firsthand, that is, that's the engagement that has been the hardest yeah. online. Right? You can have a meeting to talk, report on status, give instructions, uh, have that type of direct interaction. But when you need to say, hey, we need to brainstorm a challenge, and we need to white. We're going to whiteboard something. Right. I mean, it's become an overused phrase, but it's still a yeah. good exercise to say, yeah, let's whiteboard this. Let's get all the ideas out there. Yeah. Um, being able to have that free-flowing type of activity online, i found to be the most challenging part of online interaction. It is. So a little backstory. I don't know if you know this or not. For Business Improv... We started going virtual back in 2010. Oh, wow. That's when the writing was on the wall from 2007, 8, 9, going to these exec ed programs where I'm hearing specifically in university executive educations in the latter part of the aughts, I was hearing over and over again that virtual learning was going to replace on-site learning. Mm -hmm. And so for what we do, it's high energy, it's dynamic, it's immersive, you know, it's improvisation mm -hmm. done in person. I never thought that virtual training was really going to replace on-site training especially something for like improv yet I heard it so much that you know I essentially didn't want to go the way of the dodo bird I was like sure. what if they're right you know what's going to happen to me so my team and I started collaborating grabbing those old like Cisco systems those giant television mm -hmm. telepresence mm -hmm. sets and and avatars when they were just these pixelated like little dot things I was like look at my character that nobody knew how to use and it wasn't until around 2016 when specifically Skype, when you can get two people on at the face same yep. time, yep. that technology began to catch up with us. That's when we pressed the gas pedal and we started actually teaching in 2017, 18, and we created an async program in 2019. So going down the virtual path was hmm. always common for us. Now, 
circling back around to like the brainstorming aspect, mm -hmm. the reason why I think most people either struggled or outright failed at that collaborative process in an on a uh, virtual environment rather is because they didn't define the rules of engagement. Mm. They weren't clear about how we're supposed to behave with each other. Cause the agenda is different than the rules of engagement. The agenda is what you want to achieve. The rules of engagement are, well, how are we going to behave with each other? And so I say this with a lot of certainty because business improv has always been virtual. New York, Chicago, LA, our VP of developments in North Carolina, our operations directors in Napa Valley. So this is how we communicate, collaborate. This is always mm -hmm. how we've communicated, mm -hmm. collaborate because we know how to do it together. Right. And we have those really strong, intensive, especially over the last couple of years, like strategy whiteboarding sessions that yep. you mentioned before. Yep. We've had to have them by necessity and we right. do it the same exact way that we would do it on site. And so let's talk about the rules of engagement. You, you mentioned the cameras earlier. Yeah. Um, I have a similar story in that um, I was managing, half of my team was remote going back to 2011. Yeah. And it was unusual at the time to use video conferencing. And we started doing it. So our team, we, we were, it was a very easy pivot for us because we were used to cameras on all the time. Not everybody is, right? We have, a, we have the rule of engagement in our team that unless, unless you are physically ill and, you know, really it's embarrassing to show your face, mm -hmm. you're expected to have the camera on. Yeah. Um, what, what are the other rules of engagement that allow for the level playing field where you have that interaction? Okay. So the first rule of engagement for me really is define the rules of engagement. <laughs> I don't think that should be overlooked in any capacity. It's not like the rules of Fight Club is, you don't talk <laughs> no, about yeah, Fight don't Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> Do talk about how we're going to run this meeting. And I would also say do that and, and an exercise of collaboration. You know, have everybody define what it is. The second rule is the one that you just mentioned. Yeah. If you're going to use these technologies like Teams or Zoom or whatever it might be, turn your camera on. That's got to be that standard rule. Not just for the reason I mentioned before, that mm -hmm. if you don't, it's not a level playing field. We have a tendency to multitask when the camera's not on us. Sure. Right? We're distracted. We're not paying attention. So we can't get that... 100% participation, 100% engagement, 100% inclusion mm -hmm. from 100% of the people who are in this meeting if they're not engaged, if yeah. they're not paying attention. So it should act as an accountability practice as well because now we can look at each other. Now we can understand what we're all doing. And then from there, it's adjust your camera, adjust your lighting. You know, we have friends, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good friends, family in the industry. Yeah. It's camera work 101. If yeah. we can't see you, for example, if you're backlit, like, especially two years into this, I've seen so many people who are backlit. I'm like, what? you still don't get it. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you this. Cause I've, I've proposed this for so many people, Ian in movies, books, plays, what characters are backlit? <laughs> it's a, the villain, the villains, yeah, the villains or people in the witness protection program. Right. So if you really can't just like, I'd put a desk light right here. I mean, I'm not talking about spending money on an OLED or some kind of fancy contraption, but put a light in front of you, you know, close the shades behind you. If you can't do that, I would encourage anybody out there who's listening to ask yourself and then answer this question. Which one of those are you? Are you a villain? Are you in the witness protection program? Cause I also get like the heroes back. Like, yeah, absolutely. If like, there's Usually a, the a death, burning fire, yeah, right? Death scene, right? Right, the yeah, death yeah. scene. Oh, is she going to make it? I don't know. And then a, a shadowy figure emerges from the fiery smoke. It's like, oh, yeah, if you're going to have a great reveal like that, absolutely. Be backlit. You better reveal, though, because otherwise you're just backlit. Right. And that doesn't work. The other one is, have you seen... Uh-oh, they're after me. Quick, yeah, yeah, hide. Yeah, yeah. Hide. Um, have you seen in any engagements where all you see is like, like the Kilroy head? 
uh-huh. where like they or is uh, Wilson from uh, Home right. Improvement, Wilson right? Just the top of that, over the fence. Just the top yep. of the, yeah, over the fence. Yeah. Why do people still have that? You know, the fix for that is like one second to t- t- tilt your camera. <laughs> right, tilt the camera a little bit. So some basic camera work yeah. can go a really long way. And then the next, the next part of it is if you aren't gonna, if you are not gonna have your cameras on across the board, then why not go old school? A conference call, 2019, way yes. back to 2019, and be like, all right, this is a conference call then. Right. Otherwise, Just, there should be a clear explanation of like, why can't you? Because there surely are some reasons, yeah. right? Um, oh, here's another rule, by the way. Turn yourself off, uh, off mute. Off, off mute, mute across the board unless you need to. Like, say you, you're getting your dishwasher repaired. You have right. kids who have forced to come home again and they're melting down. Right. Sure, there's reasons to go on mute. That's my one asterisk here, really. My only asterisk is the mute one. Because there are reasons to, to take your microphone off. And that's okay as long as you're on camera. Because if you're on camera, then we could see you're engaged. Yeah. We could also see if you're multitasking. Yeah. Because you're on camera. You're now, what about the, the give and take? Like here we're you know, in person. It's easy to have a give and take because you pick up on some of those nonverbal cues. Some you can do on camera, some you can't. But it seems the interruption, mm-hmm. cutting people off, seems to be a bigger challenge and becomes more confrontational online than in person as opposed to a natural give and take of jumping in with one another in a conversation in person. Yeah, the nonverbal communication is completely different, yeah. right? It's whatever you can see based on wherever they have their camera. So it could be that Wilson top of the head, right. which pretty minimal nonverbal communication. I think speed does not equal spontaneity. That's the first thing. You know, we don't have to go fast in a brainstorming session if we're really excited. Also, though, if you really truly have an outward focus and you're looking at the other players on your screen, and I would say minimize the people on your screen to one screen, you know, so for Zoom, I think that's 25, mm-hmm. which is a, a really large group yeah. for any type of ideation or collaboration sure. session to begin with. So typically we're talking around like eight people right. or maybe 12 on the higher side of that. So you should be able to see everybody. If you're really focusing outward on them while you're participating as well, then you're going to see when somebody's trying to participate as well. And you can also see when you step on somebody's toes, because I think that's an inevitability, mm-hmm. us stepping mm-hmm. on each other's toes. If the environment's done correctly and you've created psychological safety though, then there's a lot of understanding of like, oh yeah, we're navigating through this specific platform to get ideas out. The next though is honor everybody's ideas. Don't talk for the sake of talking. If you see somebody has something to say, pause yourself and say, Ian, I stepped on you there. What were you saying? We were both talking at the same exact time. I missed what you were saying there. And make sure that that individual, in this case, Ian, has the right to grab the mic and own the mic. And so as I hear you talk through those things, Bob, it's other than getting your camera shot right, it's really not different. No, it's not. It's not. It's about that respectful communication. I mean, because ultimately that's how you create psychological safety. Mm -hmm. You create an environment in which people are intrinsically motivated to participate. And that's from clean, clear rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. So for us, of course, as you know, rule number one is yes and. Mm-hmm. If you cling to that simple phrase, then right away, everybody's agreeing with each other's ideas. And we also have a clear delineation between divergent thinking and convergent thinking as a mental model. Right. So I would throw that out there as well for any brainstorming or collaborative idea sharing session. Define a block of time very clearly that's only about idea collecting. 
That's it. You're mm-hmm. not questioning it. You're not deconstructing it. You're definitely not shooting it down. Kill the word but. Just eliminate the word but, at least in that session. And just collect ideas. Because ultimately, then, you've increased the probability of finding gold from those ideas right. just by the laws of probability, the yeah. sheer volume of what you have. So let's go back to the, to the, first, the first one there, the yes and. And everybody, it's still probably wondering why I'm talking to you and why a group <laughs> called Business Improv is teaching DMV folks and et cetera, et cetera, um, which I guess goes back to your origin story, which I want, I want folks to know. Uh, so let, let's, let's start there. Let's start with the origin story of Business Improv and, and Bob and the convergence of comedy and business collaboration. Yeah, okay. So cut back to... Um, uh, 94, I graduated from college, University of Illinois at Chicago with, appropriately enough, a BS in business. And I actually was really good at business. I won a Bank of America award before the age of 24, and I was being headhunted in Chicago. And at the time that, you know, advertising agencies, Footcomb Building, uh, Saatchi Saatchi, um, DDB Needham, they were knocking on my door to work with them, I left completely. I was like, ah, you know, a six-figure income at 24 sounds cool. What's this improv? And I just dove completely into improv, leaving the business world behind. That cuts about five years later. I'm broke as a joke. Mm. (laughs) It proved that there's, at least in the mid-90s, professional improvisation or improviser is an oxymoron. So I have the opportunity in 99 to create the first business program in any business school in the entire world that focused solely on linking improvisation to business. And that was at the Duke University Fuqua School of Business. Mm. And they loved it. It blew up. They turned me into an adjunct professor, which I've had now for two decades plus. And the way that we link improvisation, which most people would know for, to comedy, to business, is by extracting the tenets of improvisation that would produce comedy and then redirect them through business through specifically the behavioral sciences. So the root of all this is we study how and why we make decisions in real time then link them to things like communication, collaboration, Leadership development, managing mm-hmm. crisis, um, and the list goes on and on. Yeah. And so now you're out teaching these skills to all types of sectors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. We are big in the, the government side. We work with 30 of the top people in the United States Department of Defense a couple of times a year mm-hmm. for interagency joint collaboration or silo busting for all practical purposes. Okay. We've worked with uh, AMVA for... Ooh, I want to say seven or eight years. Yeah, I think this is eight years now. It's fall yeah. of, well, the fall of 2014, so seven and a half, I guess, to be technical. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we move over into small business, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, uh, executive leadership development. We've been working with the United States Senator for uh, executive coaching, you know, adaptability for a while. Um, and then big business as well, and in biopharma. It, it really doesn't yeah. matter what the, my my VP of development says. We're industry agnostic. Okay. As long as you have people that you have to talk to, then we then can it, work it applies. Yeah. yeah. And so that's so to to come back to it. That's where that yes and rule comes from. Then some people may or may not know. You know whether it's everything from whose line is it anyway to going to you know somewhere in Chicago to see improv. That's yeah. where the the rule comes from. Yeah. Yes, and uh, not to give you a complete history lesson of this, it started <laughs> in the 1930s in Chicago. Neva Boyd and Viola Spolin are the first earliest uh, creation of those two words on paper that that me and my colleagues can find. Um, yes, and is the cornerstone of improvisation globally. I mean, that's building block number one. Now, how you use it in comedy is different than how we use it in business improv. Right. So for us, yes does not mean agreement, for example. 
Right. Yes does not mean I'm going to execute your dumb idea. You know, yes is I'm open to your dumb idea. <laughs> I'm open to your great idea. Right. I mean, really, if it's all about postponing judgment, which is not what we've mentioned yet, and yes is yeah. a direct yeah. roadmap to postponing judgment, not abandoning judgment, just pushing judgment off, right. then I want to collect all ideas, the good from the bad. So yes, more than anything is I hear you. Yes is thoughtfulness. Yes is I'm here with you. I'm present. I'm trying to understand you on your terms. Mm -hmm. And then is the bridge to how you're here, how you're present, how you're in the moment, how you are listening to somebody. So and is the bridge to your mind, your background, your drive, your education, your vision, your goals. So yes and is like core human communication skill, which you can twist it toward ideation. You could twist it toward conflict management. It's a It really is a Swiss army knife mm -hmm. of two words. And it's pulled directly out of improvisation and then repackaged in a way that makes sense. Right. And then the evolution of that with the judgment piece, which is to say it's, we're all very quick to say, oh, I hear you. And I want to tell you what I think about what I just heard, yeah. as opposed to I've heard you, I'm going to sit with it. And there'll be a time for me to tell you what I think about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be right in the moment. Oh, no, definitely not. Especially if you're like cultivating talent, mm -hmm. you're trying to get people to come back to you again and talk to you over and over again. So what yes and does is slow the brain down. It forces you to be present. It forces you to be in the moment. So you can't think about what you're gonna say if you're going to yes and somebody because there's a high probability you're gonna miss what they're saying and so you really are not yes anding them. Mm. Because if yes is really understanding, I'm here, I'm focusing on you, then you can't be anywhere else. You can't be thinking about what you're gonna say next. Also though, I think people who kind of rely on this need to listen to get their words out as opposed to listening to understand are missing the opportunity to make real strong connections with people mm. because it's a basic human desire to be understood. Mm -hmm. It's what we're all about. We mm -hmm. want people to understand us, hear us, value what we have to say. I mean, it's all, it's the base of all great relationships we have. And for me, it's what I'm trying to instill in my children too, mm. you know? And so using that, specific technique forces you to be present with someone mm. which again is has been literally harder these past few years where being present has taken on such a different meaning absolutely yeah i think people again with some people thinking that this is just like a short thing that we need to do and let's just wait till we get back on site so i'm not going to develop my talent on how to uh build relationships this way other people we didn't actually mention this one don't yeah. look at the camera like they look at somebody else's picture or a lot of people just look at their own picture while they're talking. Yeah. You know, their own image as opposed to find the green dot, find the red dot, figure out where your camera is. And when you make important points, look at the camera because mm. it, it creates the feel of eye contact. Yeah. And once people are looking at you with eye contact, they feel compelled to look back at you. And that doesn't mean avoid looking at somebody else trying to pick up that nonverbal communication. The reality though is in a Zoom, I, I deal with Zoom meetings closer to... to conference calls or phone calls than I do in-person engagements because I don't really need to look at you all the time to understand you're nonverbal. I can just glance really fast here okay. and there. I don't need to stare at you. You know, whereas here I can, with my peripheral vision, catch a whole lot of what's going oh, sure. on verbally, right? Sure. It doesn't work the same on Zoom. Yeah. So what I focus on doing is hitting the green dot, hitting the red dot, making my points in a very strong and effective way, pulling people into that specific engagement from that. Mm. that that's, I hadn't thought about that. That's very... It's not a natural instinct no. to not want to look at the person on the screen. Yeah. I mean, well, also, it's not a natural instinct to look at a camera, right? Nobody sure. crawls out of a womb staring at a computer camera, right? You have to train yourself. And that's, I think, 
the thing that we haven't stressed at all that this is a learned skill set that we're talking about. Whether we're talking about improvisation or right. creating dynamic relationships or dynamic teams in a virtual environment, you have to learn how to do that, which means that you have to want to learn. Mm. You have to be humble and vulnerable and curious at a base level, which yeah. leads to humility and vulnerability as well. And be like, I might not get this right. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out how to do this. Yeah. Willing to come back and try it again. Uh-huh. You know, you, you touched a little bit on your, your bike analogy that I know you use, or is it a metaphor? I never use those two words correctly. Uh, this is a, a metaphor. Metaphor. Yeah. But you didn't go, go the whole way. Share everyone your, your bike metaphor and learning. All right, so uh, what we do is create experiential learning, which is ride the bike style learning, which means specifically, what's the best way to learn how to ride a bicycle? Get up and try. Yeah, it's not read a case about it. It's not get on YouTube and like, oh, look at that person ride a bike. It's actually get on the bike, because once you're on the bike, then it's a different experience altogether. And once you get good at it, then you're able to get off the bike and come back to it again and again. Now, where a lot of people, I think, uh, struggle and this includes now, I want you to, to transfer it over to the Zoom meetings and Zoom environments, mm-hmm. is they ride the bike once and be like, well, I get it. I get what this is. Yet, if you only rode a bike one time and said, I get it, I'm never going to try this again, yeah. the probability of you really experiencing the joy of riding a bike is right. nil. Right. And that's the same with anything else. Cooking. You know, for anybody out Mm -hmm. there who doesn't ride a bicycle, you know, the first time in the kitchen, it's going to be different than the 500th time in the kitchen. The first time using the knives or martial arts or your job. Day one on your job is surely different than day 500 or day 2000, right? Right. So we learn over time. And that's where this is an opportunity as well. As much as it certainly is a struggle working in these uh, virtual and hybrid environments, Mm -hmm. it's also the opportunity the opportunity to figure out how to do this over time. Mm. Because like our experiential learning of riding a bike, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. It's learning by doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're never going to get it right the first time. It's no. Just not no. No, if you think possible. you've got it right the first time, come teach me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think as, as we now are in this time of transition, uh, those that said, well, I'll just, I'll just wait it out because we'll be back to quote unquote normal. I'll use air quotes, but it doesn't work right. very well on a podcast. I gotcha. um, <laughs> uh, go back to what it was before. There, there is no going back to what it was before. No. And I don't even know if we know what totally it's going to look like next going forward. Hybrid, this, that, the other thing. Uh, keeping in mind that the skills still transfer. I think is, is a critical point of what I hear you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you have not been doing in the last couple of years or what you have been doing should be immediately transferable to on-site engagements yeah. or hybrid engagements for that yeah. matter as well. Because what we should be working on is what we do in business improv, people skills, human connection. You do that right, then you can go through hard times together and fun times together. And that's the key word there. Mm-hmm. And I think you also hit that right on the head. Twofold. One, we're not going backwards. It's not going to happen. I mean, this pandemic, endemic, whatever you want to call it, is right. still going on. <clears throat> yep. I think we're all hopeful that it's like, oh, we're on the down Getting slope, better. Yeah, yet yeah, we're yeah, getting yeah. ticked up. At least in the New York area, it's going well, back yeah. up again. Yeah. You know, so this roller coaster we're on is far from done. Once it is done, though, it it's going to be a different environment. Yeah. And you have to think about how you're going to operate in that environment. Cause if you're like, I'm just going to go back to 2019 and nobody else does. 
that's essentially doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Which is the definition of insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have to think then, what is that future? And then be open and willing to understanding that, just like you pointed out, it's unknown, which means mm -hmm. that we should be learning every step of the way. Because I think that hybrid future is really where we're going to go. Yeah. Now, what does that look like? Ah. Yeah. It's the hardest of all because it's, you know, how do you, how do you have a level playing field when folks are literally not on the same field? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you the key to that kingdom as well. Practice. Yeah. Practice, practice, ride the bike, ride that bike over and over and over again. And we don't, as leaders, have to go into every situation with the right answer. Our job is to know to the very best of our ability where true north is and then figure out the right answers. Yeah figure out the path on how to get there. And that means we can learn from our team, you know, have some sessions and, and be like, okay, what sucked? What was great? Was there any great? What can we learn from this? How can we avoid the horrible stuff, the pitfalls that we just fell into and replicate the successful stuff that we just did. And then continue talking with each other. Cause and that's how you're going to get involvement too. Yeah. You know, those people who don't want to put themselves on camera, if they feel like they're part of the process, then they're not buying into your idea, which is a buy-in is transactionary. They're building in. Building in creates almost intrinsic ownership of an idea because now we're contributing together to make this hybrid future of ours work. And that helps me, it helps you, it helps the team, it helps everybody. So now just that act of contributing together creates value in people and creates that intrinsic motivation to want to participate. Mm, yeah. That's great. Well, Bob, I appreciate you spending some time chatting with me today. I had no idea what kind of conversation we're going to have, but I knew you were just kind of the guest where we turn on the mics and something fun was going to come out. I think, <laughs> I think that's what we had for everybody today. Ah, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. If folks want to learn more about, you know, what you do and your background, where, where could they find that? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn or find Business Improv. Go to businessimprov.com. We are redeveloping our website, which hopefully will be out mm, soon, mm -hmm. and it will show you pretty detailed a part of our lives. So awesome. Hope to see you all soon. Great. Great. Well, thanks, Bob. Thank you all for uh, listening this week. Always appreciate you being here. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.